Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Uh, he stares in the eyes of the now. man who despises him. And the day black my real mother said when I came out the womb, my little black sister raised in the air like foot. And she was proud because I was going to take after her and not give her to Welcome to Flight 3D. This is your captain speaking. We ask that you please note the emergency exits and safety signs in the event our journey becomes just Super Nick can put a basketball down. He leaves tall Super Nick in a single bound. Super Nick ain't got no degrees. He ain't got no time for that. Street corner, crack houses, project, his natural habitat. Super Nintendo got super strength, speed, and agility. So it's understandable when the cops beat him down to the best of their ability. Super Nintendo has no supervision. Instead, he has super inches between 17 and 25 super inches used to satisfy them super systems. Well, they clone little black girls who won't die but fight. Well, they clone little black girls who supplement stamina for endless struggles to write. Will they clone little black girls like Asada, Sonia, Tubman, knowing what they know? Will they clone little black girls like Nikki, Zora, Mommy, Grandma, who orchestrate train nobody got more than us. Aspiring artists sit saliva in their palms, producing hits, making noise with their fists. Lanky limbos of astros, break beats and pop locks on dance floors, made a Let me talk to you for a second. Welcome. This is Spoken Word Poetry. The Art, the Industry, and the Viability. I'm Jacqueline Taylor Adams, and I'm one of your co-hosts. And your other co-host is The New. We're kicking off 2013 with a new show, a new host, and a new name. And our new host is Sweet Franchon. How you doing? Hey, Jackie. I'm so glad to be here this evening. Hi, everybody. All right, all right. I'm supposed to kick this off with a cipher, but no one is here yet. And um, no one has signed up yet. We do have a guest over in the chat room. But since no one signed up for the cipher yet, we're going to just roll on with the show. And, um, yeah, so I want everyone to take a moment first. Um, right before we bring our guest on, I want to take a moment first for everyone to meet um, Sweet Francois. So if you would um, do me a favor. And um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to play Field of Dreams. This way you can feel her. This is her piece, Feel the Dreams. And as soon as we're done with Feel the Dreams, you know, share a little bit about yourself. All right? All right. All right. 
Before you I was playing the game of pieces. Pieces of men danced around the field of loneliness. Scattered pieces of defeat and brokenness. You blew in like a gentle breeze and scattered the remnants of those that turned out to be narcissistic and unbalanced. You brought with you sweet, sweet music, keeping rhythms of my heart's drum beats, calming my emotions with a consistent bass line of straightforwardness and honesty, holding my hands to guide me out of the cluttered confusion of cheaters, liars, and emotional immaturity. Seeking me, seeing me, knowing me in a natural way. So relieved, I, I grabbed your hand, anxious to dive into the unknown, ready to do something different. I followed the drums, the familiar rhythm that agrees to my own heart's longing, held on to the bass line and its anchoring of the harmonic framework yet to come. See, felt the melody of the keyboard that tickled to my stomach with the excitement of things to become. And I decided immediately to dance with you into the unknown and risky business of love. Letting my soul lead as it tunes itself to the music of possibilities and hopefulness. Finally, leaving behind broken pieces of men. Behold stands a whole man that is leading the dance into a field of dreams. Okay, that was Phil the Dreams. So just let us know a little bit about who is Sweet Franchon. Peace out, everybody. I'm Sweet Franchon. I'm so excited to be your new co-host. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. I'm looking forward to doing more every month and really helping people um, grow their artistic talent in the field of poetry, in the industry of poetry. Um, I'm a poet, a writer. Um, I produce live shows. One particular that I'm proud of is called Soul Opera. It's telling stories of love and life through poetry, music, and song. Um, I do that here in the Philadelphia, Delaware region, and I'm excited about that product. Uh, I do a lot of booking of new, new regional and local talent. And um, I'm just really, as you know, living my journey as a poet, a creative artist. So I'm excited to be here and to share my experiences with everyone. Okay, and just um, give us, you know, just a little bit, you know, just um, just to share with us, you know, why, you know, why you are in this position, co-hosting. Um, this show that deals with the, the business of spoken word and helping to bring the industry into a new place. 
Well, you know, the good news is is that, you know, just like any other artistic expression when it comes to, um, for instance, music, poetry has various styles and genres, and a lot of people are doing a lot of different things with it, you know, and we'll be talking to Sharon Monet soon about some of the things she's doing. And there's so many opportunities as an artist if you become creative about how you want to get your work in front of people. And so I, um, you and I, we got to know each other because we share, you know, we share talent um, in the Philadelphia area as poets, and we know some of the same people. And you are trying to create a movement to help people, especially us poets, you know, to have various platforms to share. And I do the same thing, except I use mine on a live, live production platform. So because of the two things that we both do, we decide to come together. And also, I have actually been able to take something that was just a hobby and artistic expression and actually begin to build an entertainment business with it. And I'm excited because it includes poetry with music and it's a real unique and eclectic blend of um, artistic expressions that I use in my productions. And I think this is good because we have an opportunity with platforms such as the Master Grid Radio Live Show and uh, and my live platforms where performers get to perform live. I think it's really beginning to open up um, opportunities for poets or spoken word artists to begin to share. So that's how I came to be here with you, everybody, today because of my um, production work because of some of the things that I've been doing in the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas. And I'm just thankful that we're able to bring these various platforms and share uh, the business of spoken word so that we can understand as spoken word artists that we have various opportunities that we can go into from performing to creating our own events to recording to publishing and, you know, um, even television, local local, regional, maybe national television. And even if it doesn't, even if you don't see it every day on local t- on your national TV shows, I really believe that it will continue to grow because of social media and all the opportunities we have to really put spoken word in front of people in various forms. All right. And I do agree with you, you know. Um, I really think 2013 is going to be a real turning year for spoken word poetry because there are a lot of things, a lot of different things people have been doing and the Internet and the change in the music industry and um, and people's vision of what's popular has changed so much that more people are putting things out there. I think um, there are more networks, whether extremely small or large, but more people are are more open to poetry and allowing more, new things to um, bloom through. Yeah. And so there's a much wider interest for it outside of just the standard poetry set. You know, it's not just in academia anymore or just in certain coffee houses anymore. The um I always think people liked it. Sometimes it just they just never saw it. If you weren't in the right crowd or, you know, followed the right way, you just may never had experienced it. But now I just think the interest is so widespread and then um 
think we also have to expand our um, definition or opportunities for spoken word. I think we have to really um, change what we feel those opportunities are because there's a lot more opportunities out there than we may normally think of. So with that, we're going to bring on our guest. She is the one and only, straight from Philly, Sharon Monet. And Sharon is a Grammy-considered songwriter, but first she's a poet. She started as a poet, a page poet. Poetry was her voice, and that voice went from the page to her speaking, and then she's like, wow, got something going here, and then that love just became a love for writing that has went from poetry to song to her words being converted to soulful lyrics to in songs and then into two books and now plays. And she is how I met her. Is she is now the first female playwright for First World Theater Ensemble, and we're getting ready to see some even more great things from her. But I'm going to let you let her tell her full story. So, um, Sharon, we just want to welcome you to Spoken Thank Word you. Poetry. Hey. Thank you so much. How are you, ladies, doing? I love that piece. Thank that you. Thank fabulous, you, Sharon. fabulous piece. Yes, thanks. Thank you, sis. I'm glad to meet you. Thanks for being here today. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, Jackie. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> she's crazy, y'all. She 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 looks yes. small. She's a little bit, but she's off the chain. She's funny. <laughs> yes, gotta have fun in this world. Gotta have fun in this world. Yes, yes. So, um, Sharon, we always start off with one question here. Because we want to bring everybody, we want to make this a level playing field. So, first of all, everybody just needs to get to know you so they can understand what you have to say after that. So the world wants to know, who is Sharon Monet the person? Where did you hail from? Just tell us a little bit about the person, Sharon Monet. Sharon Monet the person? She's a lot of things, actually. It's hard to kind of sum Sharon up. Um, Sharon is a visionary. Sharon is a mother. Sharon is a student. Sharon is a paralegal who loves to prostitute people. That may sound harsh, but that's Sharon. <laughs> Very wrong, but that's me. Um, Sharon is a person who is now finally getting to enjoy life. Um, Sharon is a survivor of two heart attacks. Sharon has had pretty much the world against her, but Sharon is still standing. So Sharon is is a force to be reckoned with, with a voice and a story to be heard in order to inspire and encourage others. So that's, that's Sharon. That's the that's Sharon the person. That's me. That's me. But I sum a lot of me up in into my writing. So in order for you to really get to understand Sharon, a lot of times you kind of have to know Sharon the writer because Sharon is not vocal. Sharon doesn't know how to express her feelings. Sharon, I'm very silly. I love to have fun, but when it comes to releasing Sharon doesn't know how to do that. 
But that's Great. where hmm? Oh, that's where Sharon allows her pen and paper to come in and become the writer that everybody's growing and getting to know here in Philly and worldwide. So that's Sharon. That's awesome, Sharon. Now you shared a lot about uh, you shared a lot about who you are, and like you, I'm a mother, and and you know have worked and began to just beginning a couple years ago to begin to do the things I love as a spoken word artist and poet. Tell us more about your evolution from poetry into you know now you've done you know you did you start performing first throughout the Philadelphia area? How did you get started, and then? Give us a little bit of an idea about your journey from a poet to now a songwriter and a playwright. Actually, my journey started when I was 12. My first piece I wrote was entitled Alone, and it uh, discussed about the issue of homelessness in Philadelphia. And I actually recited that piece at the United Negro College Fund Telethon. After I actually did that piece, my mother decided that I had a gift because the only way that she could really understand me or my feelings and my emotions was through my poetry. So at that point, my mom decided to help me put my poetry into different contests, and I would go around to the libraries and different cafes. Mind you, I'm 12 and 13, but... Mm -hmm. I'm out here speaking about social issues and social trends that not only affect Philadelphia, but affect this world. So I went, I did that whole journey. At that time, I had three poems actually published, and I won two poetry contests. But when I went to college, I stopped because I was at that time I was grown. I didn't want to write anymore, and my problems kind of ceased because I didn't care like I was in college, so I stopped writing. I gave it up because at that point it was like, okay, I'm doing all of this. I'm traveling. No one's hearing me. No one's paying attention to me. So what's the point of writing? So I just quit. I put my pen Mm -hmm. down. I quit. And then after that I became a staff writer for the Philadelphia Association of Paralegals. And during that writing, I instead of me writing the articles that they wanted me to write, I began writing poetry again. So my articles was in formats of poems instead of stories. And at that time I realized, okay, I need to pick this pen and paper back up because now I'm a single mother, sort of kind of flying on the edge of an alcoholic. So it was it was a lot of different issues now that I needed to re-release that I couldn't actually say, so I actually just wrote about and so after I, I did that, I got married, and then my husband at the time was like, no, you're not doing this. No, you can't write. No, that's interfering with our relationship. No, it's taking you away from loving me. So I put my pen down again. Quit. In order to save my marriage, I gave my dream up. After we got a divorce and I realized, okay, I need to make a decision, and other issues were surrounding our marriage. But after we got a divorce, I said, you know what, I'm going to pick this pen up, but instead of me going to the different cafes and the poetry clubs, I'm going to put it to music, someone like you did. However, instead of me writing poems, I wrote songs because mm-hmm. I know the music industry is popping. People will listen to music before they listen to poetry. 
So I kind of introduced my poetry to the music world through song, and that became very, very successful. So I, I went to the um, songwriting that was that was like phenomenal. Oh my gosh, that was like a great experience, and I started getting recognized, which is what I wanted. So I went to the songwriting. Then after the songwriting, I said, you know what? A lot of uh, artists now is going into books, so let's try the book thing. Still, just trying to get a broader audience. My whole thing is I need everybody to, to know who Sharon is, not just an area. I need everyone to. So I mm-hmm. took some of the, the poems that were lyrics, and I took the other poems that I wrote as a kid, and it came up into a book which was published by Yolanda Brown, Perpetual Publishing, out in St. Louis. So then I had my side of the story, and then my second book came out last year, Living, Loving, Laughing My Way Through. But then still I wasn't satisfied. Because I wanted more. I wasn't getting enough sales. I wasn't getting enough recognition. So I said, you know what? Since everybody's on Tyler Perry and I like Tyler Perry, let's go to a stage play. So I wrote um, Living Your Life, which is my first stage play, and I incorporated poetry into that play, which was sort of kind of a compass of my life and my journey of giving up my career, wanting to be a poet, having to decide whether I'm going to be a wife or a poet or a writer, and that play came about. And then I met Mr. Hara McGill and Jackie, and now I'm officially a playwright. So that's, that, that's my journey. I've been working from 12, and I'll be 35 this year. So it's been a long day. Yeah, awesome. You have an awesome story that apparently you're sharing with um, the public through your work, and that, that it's really great. Now, since we are, our topic every second Monday is about the business of spoken word, the industry, the viability. Do you find that through your experience that you had to look for different opportunities to be able to share your spoken word or your your artistic um, expression? And what advice would you give to others who are trying to determine what's the best outlet for them? What would you suggest to them? What advice would you give to someone who just kind of is a closet writer maybe, not necessarily performing yet, what would you say to that person? Well, for me, I guess for me, I definitely would say keep going. Definitely find your niche because just I'm never satisfied, and I think that's my thing as to why I keep bouncing in different industries to be heard. Because in different industries, I've always heard, oh, poetry is a dead art, or poetry is this and poetry is that. So I allow myself to kind of maneuver poetry to teach and show people that, no, poetry is not a dead art. No, poetry is not this or poetry is not that. You can't down poetry because before you had the novels and the street lit and everything else, you had poetry. So it all kind of stems from poetry. So for someone that's just starting or someone that doesn't know exactly which direction or where to go, go in all of them. And which whatever one, you know, shows you the most favor, stick with that one. But don't, you know, don't stick with just the, the coffee shops or don't just stick to the neighborhood restaurant or whatever. 
try them all. Because just because one, it may not be receptive or you may not feel the love that you desire from that one, doesn't necessarily mean that, okay, your poetry is bad or people are not feeling you. Because all you need, technically all you need is one person to fill you for your dream to flow. But that location may not be your location. So just keep soaring. Just keep soaring. Just keep soaring until you actually find which area identifies with what it is that you're trying to say. That's that's great advice. What I've my my experience has been that I created what I wanted to see because I was not a slam poet, so to speak. Okay. Right. Um, Neither am I. I wasn't re- right. I wasn't received well in some of the um you know, some of the venues. And so I said, well, I love music. I love live performance, you know, plays. And I love all these things. So what can I create that will give me all of those components? And that's how I came up with my product. So I agree with you in your advice is that, you know, even just because your genre or your style doesn't necessarily fit um, your, you know, what's going on in your local area, if you can't find somewhere to share and it's where you're well-received, then create it. You know, create exactly. the platform that you think will best suit you and your talents and gifts. And, you know, do your homework. Look at other artists and look at other um, expressions, music. You know, like you said, I love music, so I am beginning to write as well. I'm beginning to get calls from jazz bands and things to write lyrics. And it's a really great experience. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then also travel. That's one thing that I have learned and has worked highly in my favor. Some people like mm-hmm. to just stay in Philadelphia. Like, okay, I'm just going to. I'm a Philadelphia person, so Philadelphia is going to learn me before anybody else. Mhm, mhm. I have really found that statement to be very interesting because for me. I have been well and more received outside of Philadelphia than I have been in Philadelphia. But now since outside of Philadelphia is starting to receive me, now Philadelphia is starting to embrace me. Wow. Okay. So definitely travel. See how other poets are doing it or see what other style, because every city, every poetry situation in every city is different. There's no poetry venue is the same as Philadelphia. So broaden your horizon with poetry, learn poetry, understand poetry. Just because that's what you hear at a cipher here on South Street doesn't necessarily mean that that is poetry. So become familiar with all areas of poetry and come outside your box of Philadelphia. Travel, travel, get out there, network, definitely. And that's funny, I agree, but I... I actually was embraced in Philadelphia, being from Wilmington, and they encouraged me to Philadelphia. Because you're not from um, Philly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they encouraged me and embraced me. Then you know, so I get it. I do get it. Um, but before we continue, we're going to take a moment and we're going to listen to your um, to commitment and okay. uh, have a commercial break. Is that all right? That's all right. That's that. Yeah, that's great. I didn't know you were saying commitment. Wonderful. <laughs> well, good. For those of you who are listening, please stay tuned, and we'd like you to listen to Sharon Monet's Commitment. 
You know, I finally come to realize that uh, I really just don't think that you was ready for what I was ready for. Now tell me why is it so hard for me and you to pledge and promise to make this fairy tale come true? When we started this love affair, dedication, conversation, we embraced it, we would see this through. Life's desires was always ready, willing to help us to make the right decisions. We could see that honesty was all I wanted when I said I do, but you were committed to me and you. Namaste. This is Sweet Franchise 
We'd like to welcome you for joining us tonight. Please check us out at www.peacelovepoetry.com, and we look forward to providing you quality entertainment productions throughout the Philadelphia and Wilmington area. So, Sharon, that was nice. I need to mention that um, you wrote that song, Commitment, by ML Truth, correct? Sorry, I need to open up Sharon. Sorry, everyone. That was me. It's my job to open up the lines. <laughs> Hello? Go ahead, Sharon. We're open. Okay. Yes, I did. I I am the the songwriter for that song, and that poem is actually in my first book, My Side of the Story. Yep. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, we were talking before the break about, you know, you being a poet and going into songwriting, et cetera. I don't know. I know what my personal experience has been. Um, you know, I get the music first, usually the track, and ask to write over, you know, to write a verse for it or something. Tell me what your process has been and your experience has been as a songwriter. It's actually been somewhat the same. I'll normally get a track first and say, can you write to this track or people that I've already worked with? They'll just say, okay, we need some, we need some lyrics. So then I'll just write whatever's on my heart, and then they make it work to a track. But that song, actually, Commitment, I actually wrote that while I was with ML. He was in a studio session, and while they were in there recording, I was in the other room writing. And we didn't have a track or anything. Like, that, I came up with that, and him and Howard Loving, also from Jackson, Mississippi, ML from Jackson, Mississippi as well, they had to build around me. So I kind of go all over the place depending on how I feel or how they feel. So I I get it both ways. I'll either write and say, okay, make me a hit from these lyrics, or they'll send me the track and say, make me a hit from this track. Do you find that as a poet, already being a poet and having been a writer since you was 12, as I I started at 12, too, I wanted to mention to you that was so interesting that we have that in common. (laughs) (laughs) I know we do. We absolutely do. So do you find that being a poet, um, you know, makes it easier to be a songwriter? Does it seem like a natural flow to you, a natural progression? When I first started, no, because a lot of my poetry is very wordy. So when it came to trying to break down my stanzas into verses to fit a track and a beat, it was a mess. It was really, they would cut up half of my poem. So for me, it was it was nerve-wracking. I mean, it made it easy as far as, Right in the stanzas of writing the verses and know when to break 18s and 16s. But since I'm wordy, depending on what I'm writing about, the time they got finished cutting down my poem, I didn't like it anymore. So the thrill was over of the songwriting situation. It was just like, I don't know. That's not what I wrote, so you're not singing that. So <laughs> I, I did because, you yeah, in the music industry, when you're dealing with songwriting, if anyone changes a word, a structure, harmony, arrangement, they get songwriting credit. 
And me yeah. as a writer, I don't like to share that stuff because songwriting is where the money is typically in the music industry. So yeah. if, if I write something and you critique my poem all the way down to nothing and then you say, okay, well, I get 50%, you get 50%. No, that's no, that's not what we're going to do. So I had to kind of learn either how to write according to the track and the beat versus just writing and letting someone else take that credit with me because now I'm sharing money, and that was not what I intended to do when I started songwriting. So well, speaking of money, that, well, that's interesting because I'm the opposite. I don't write a long poem, so it's easy for me to write. So you know, oh, okay, so now we have something on your topic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm okay. But um, my question then is, since we're talking about we want to help spoken word artists learn more about various com- aspects of the business of spoken word. And with that being said, you know, a lot of spoken word artists, you know, I hear a lot of complaints about, you know, they only can make money by selling CDs at the local, you know, open mics and things of that nature. I beg to differ. However, mm-hmm. um, I, tell me, since you were talking about money and songwriting credits and things of that nature, based on the things that you've done, you're a poet, you're an author, you're a songwriter, you're a playwright, you, wrote, you know, you have two books out, and you just seem, it appears to me that you've taken a great opportunity to make money in various ways with your artistic expression. Tell us, um, as a spoken word artist, can you give them any business advice, specifically whether it's about songwriting credits, if it's about publishing a book, what kind of business advice could you give spoken word artists to assist them in their journey to actually make money and possibly do this as a supplement to their income or as a primary income? The biggest advice is is to know your industry in which you're you're trying to pursue, i.e., for songwriting. If you decide to move your poetry into lyrics, understand publishing, understand royalties. Um, just don't give your your words away freely because your words belong to you. They're copywritten to you. You make money off of those words every time that song gets played, every time that song gets purchased. Just like, for example, everybody uses Whitney Houston. Um, the, the song that she did, I Will Always Love You. However, mm-hmm. that song was originally done by, written by Dolly Parton. Martin, so even yeah. though Whitney Houston made that a hit, Dolly Parton got paid. That's right. Not Whitney Houston because she's the artist. So you kind of have to understand business-wise where you lie within the industry, how you will get paid from that, or even with the book. I I publish two books. However, even with selling books, you still have to pay your publisher. If you mm-hmm. if you sell your books online, a percentage of that goes to Amazon or Barnes and Noble to hold and house your book. So you definitely kind of have to, I would definitely say Google um, is a good tool to kind of understand the business, but definitely understand the business of it or definitely understand how you as a writer can get paid. A songwriter gets paid through publishing and through royalties, i.e. every time the song gets played, every time the CD gets sold, you get a paycheck. Mm -hmm. Or you can write a contract up 
and contract yourself out to whereas you sell your lyrics versus waiting for the song, for the CD to actually be released. Like a lot of times I do if I'm working with a person that no one, you know, really heard of, then it's, I will say, okay, you know what, you got to pay me for my lyrics because I can't guarantee that I'm going to make money off of your CD. Yes, yes. So, I mean, just look at your industry. If you have to pull in contracts, definitely get an attorney because contracts are tricky and people start seeing money and they're like, yes, let's do this, but they forget the fine print. So okay. learning industries and, and just just understand your business and how you can get paid how you can get paid. But all of the avenues in which that I'm in, I get paid for my work, and that's because I know how to in that or will know what elements I need to focus on in order to get paid. But you definitely can get paid in it. You definitely can get paid in it. Get some contracts. Don't just give it away freely. How do you balance the creative component of being a writer Versus the business side of things, how do you balance it? Do you find that you invest more time on the business side or you invest more time as a creative writer? Both. Because I don't have a manager, I don't have a a team, and I don't have people to go to meetings for me. So, I mean, I kind of have to balance both, which is kind of difficult because if I'm dealing with the business aspect of it, I can't create at all because my mind is focused on that meeting or that contract that I need to sign or whatever else that I need to do on the business side. So it's tough to handle both. I would not advise people to do both because when when you get so caught up in the business, you will lose your creative. Because if I'm handling a deal, I don't write at all. It takes me a while to get back into writing because I'm focused on the business at hand. So it's hard. It's extremely yeah, I, hard. I, I agree. Yeah, um, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Sharon, I just wanted to ask you, do you feel now, like as a playwright being a playwright in residence at First World, do you feel a little, um, that gives you a little bit more creative there because absolutely. you have the, the theater to handle the business and you can be the playwright? Yes, yes. Now I get to have a little break because <laughs> I don't have to do you know, I have to tell y'all, when Jackie sent me that press release, because normally I have to do everything myself. I have to promote myself. I have to sell myself. I have to get out there and sell books. I have to sign books. I have to go to the conferences and sell myself as a songwriter. But when Jackie sent me that press release and was like, okay, that's done, I was like, well, I was at work literally crying. Like, I don't have so much to do. Great, so now I can finish doing the critique on my next play, Get Out Your Own Way, because Jackie's down as hell in it. So, yes, yes, I, 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 if I could have everybody just work under first world with me, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> then, I can, then I can actually relax and sleep. Yes, yes, I'm not up reading and writing till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, then getting up at 7, taking kids to school and myself to work. Yes. I love it. Okay. Um, Okay, now what I did want to say um, in that, I would like to give um, everyone um, the advice 
um, to um, well, first of all, just want to let you know if anyone wants to call in now, we got a few more minutes. If you want to call in, the call in number is six four six seven one six. 7994. Again, the call in number is 646-716-7994. If you want to speak, please press 1. That way we'll know that you want to speak and we will bring you on. So if you have any questions for Sharon, for Sweet Franchon, for anyone, just please call in now. And the other thing that I did want to share is the importance, if you are an artist, to build a team. And I know... Um, you know, I work with artists and sometimes I have a lot of ideas. So I will sometimes work with artists just because I'm really trying to work out something. I'm like, well, I wonder if I tried this formula, what will it give me this? Because I'm working at building something and building marketing product. So I think sometimes people get so defensive and so afraid people are going to take advantage of them that they don't really look at the business end of what's actually going on. And you you miss a lot of opportunities and, and, and miss the boat a lot. If um, so, don't get so caught up or so held on to like this is my art and whatnot. Whenever you can get help and someone that's helping marketing you or pushing you, when you even see your fans and all doing that, when you see that flow, get behind it and help push it. Because you know marketing takes money. And so anything when people are marketing and, and sharing your news and information for free, support it, be grateful for it. Because, you know, in business, you still got to get a budget for advertising, and that's what marketing and advertising, and you have to pay people to do those things. So that's the good thing about social media. So learn to um, take advantage of it and actually look at it and just don't be so defensive because sometimes, you know, a real good artist I was really getting ready to back away from because I was trying to help her with a website. <laughs> and she didn't want nobody to tell her what to do with her website. And I was just trying to provide her help because I told her I don't want to do your website. Believe me, you me. But if I'm going to market you, and that's my job. So your your web presence means something to me if I'm going to bring you in front of other people. Yes. So I should be able to say to you, I don't want to do your site, but I should be able to say to you, look, consider these keywords. Use this keyword tool. Uh, you're using WordPress. Hey, find, use these specific plugins. Get this on your site so you can capture leads, so you can capture data. That shouldn't be a battle for me to share specific information with you that took me over a couple of years to learn all of this stuff. No one told me that. I had to figure it all out on my own. I'm giving it straight to you. But um, So that's just something just for artists, just to um, you need a team, you need help. Um, you know, you do have to be mindful about who you put in your team. Sharon just mentioned a lawyer. You want to, um, you know, make sure that you have legal advice to fall back on. Um, if you can get a street team and people that do marketing or just build your relationships, you know, managers are really good. If you can find one that's good, you can trust their different levels. Everything doesn't have to be all one way. You know, a person could manage you and they can handle a certain portion of your career. But if you can find somebody you're comfortable with, you can trust, and it may not happen overnight, but that should be your goal is to build yourself a team. And yes. um, I just wanted to share that. Yes, that's awesome, Jack. I'm sorry, not only me to cut you guys off, it's like a pause in my phone, and I think you guys are pausing, so I apologize for that. Um, okay. 
Before um, you bring someone a call, and I just wanted to share with everyone, you know, Sharon and I are a rarity where we do everything, and we are fortunate to be able to manage the business and the creative side. But like Sharon mentioned, it is a challenge. When I find myself focusing too much on business, I literally have to take time out for the creative work. So that's a rarity, and, every, and, and I think that those who are focused on being great artists that they should, as you mentioned, they actually build a team so they can focus on being the, the artists that they are as well. So there's, you know, there's multiple ways to do things, you know, and if you are the kind of person built to do both, fine, start off doing both, and that way you can be very clear when you hire other people to assist you, you know what your needs are specifically. And I know you have some callers on the phone, so Jacqueline, I'll let you take over from here. Okay, we have a caller from 302. How you doing? I'm good, and you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So let us know who you are. The world wants to know who's the caller from the 302. <laughs> <laughs> well, my name is, um, I'm, a little, I'm a little under the weather, so my voice is going to probably go in and out. Um, my name is Shavise Brown. I am a... Hi, Shavise. Um, Hi, Franchon. How are you? Good. I'm glad you were able to call in. Yes, yes. Um, Franchon is, is a, uh, my poetry sister. So, um, like I said, my name is Shavise Brown. I am a, 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 an artist. I'm a spoken word artist. I'm a writer, an author, and a um, songwriter. I have an album out called Just Want to Be Heard, and um, it's, it's awesome. It's an awesome project. I have a mixture of, um, you know, it's like that feel of flowetry. Um, you know, I have people coming in and singing on um, singing on the tracks. Um, I've written 95% of my album. So I was listening to some of you guys earlier talking about publishing and things like that, and that's, you know, great advice, um, you know, especially as a, as a writer, when you're a songwriter. Um, you know, um, I uh, met Sean maybe um, three years ago, maybe, and um, it was my first time performing. I think it was at the Lux Lounge, mm-hmm. French on. Yes, it, it was. Yes, it was at the Lux, and that was my first time ever performing. And um, you know, ever since then, I've just been performing ever since then. That's great. Um, do you have any questions for Sharon? Well, um, as a as a writer, songwriter. You know, I know that um, when you're, you know, at this point, um, I moved from from Delaware. Now I'm in Atlanta. So when you're transitioning into um, another state, um, I felt like this move was so great for me because it gave me um, Atlanta is like the black Hollywood, they say. So um, when you're transitioning into one state to another, you have to kind of start all over again. And... um, it's good for me at this point because the networking out here is so awesome. Like, I've hooked up with so many people, and I think that that's the most important part of being an artist is networking. So um, so my question to her is um, what advice can you give on networking um, with other artists and um, you know, even even people who are not artists, someone knows someone. Um, my greatest advice for that would be, as far as networking, is 
by you, one, trans, transitioning from state to state, um, joining different organizations that are related to what it is that you're trying to do. And being a songwriter, are you affiliated with BMI or ASCAP or anything? Um, yes, ASCAP. Mm-hmm. ASCAP, okay. Mm-hmm. So yep. uh, you could even use that as a as a stepping stone into really getting into the the, the music world there in Atlanta because ASCAP holds a lot of conferences in Atlanta because I've been mm-hmm. down in some of theirs. So as far as networking, just start surrounding yourself around people that are doing what it is that, you know, you're doing or what it is that you're trying to do in that area mm-hmm. and definitely take advantage of all of the, the organizations that's in Atlanta mm-hmm. and all of the songwriting opportunities that are in Atlanta. But like right. you said, that is like the, the new black Hollywood. Because yes. every time I go down yes. there, it's like something popping in any mm-hmm. area of the arts. But take definitely take advantage of those those organizations and, and definitely network. Get your business cards, mm-hmm. your, your T-shirts, your hats. Yes. Get some flyers, a commercial. Yes. Everything. I have made myself a walking marketing billboard. Like I have <laughs> Yeah. Well you got bump, the marketing bump, down pat. Yes, bump bump that Sean John stuff, you know, rocking everybody else's uh here. You know, you have to like I got my name, my website, on my T shirts, like I got just wanna be heard, the name of the album. Like you know, I'm a walking billboard and everywhere I go I meet someone and I let them know what I do. And especially when I perform out here um, I tell you one thing, Atlanta got some singing folk out here, like it's just off the hook out here. So I have connected myself with a lot of writers, songwriters and um you know, working now I'm in a studio working with um uh Ray Charles's daughter. And so oh. yeah, I had went to perform somewhere and I needed a backup singer and I was just like, I need somebody to sing backup for me and she just came up there and I didn't know who she was until somebody mentioned it. And so she sings back up for me now wherever I go and perform. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't even know that that was his daughter. And his, his other his other daughter, his, one of his oldest daughters was there too. And so, you know, hooking up with that family um, has just been so crazy. Exactly. So you have the networking thing down pat, girlfriend. You don't need no You don't need no advice. <laughs> you doing what, what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's that's Atlanta. If, if you know, my advice to someone wants to move out here, get right into the networking part of it because you will meet so many people. And and out here, they are so um, open. You know, they're so open to work with you. Yes, you know, especially if you are if you are a dope artist, they are so open to work with you. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Sharon, I didn't want to. Um, actually, when you first started talking, you said you went to the songwriter. I didn't. I mean, I don't know if I missed part of that. You start first saying you um, when you first started, you went to the songwriter. Was that a convention, a Pacific it convention was a or event? I okay, to, it's a songwriting conference that happens every year in June in LA. Okay. Um, under I'm with BMI. Sometimes okay. I go to ASCAP things. But my house is under BMI, mm-hmm. and then I'm also okay. a associate member of the Recording Academy, which is the mm-hmm. the parent company to the Grammys. Right. So, 
any conference that either the Grammy holds or BMI holds, I go to the songwriting. I go to those conferences because then those conferences teaches you the new trends of songwriting, the new publishing techniques and, and contracts for songwriting, the new up-and-coming artists that are looking for songwriting. So it kind of keeps you in the know. That's why I asked her if she was a part of ASCAP or BMI. Mm-hmm. Cause so yeah, you know, I had, yeah, I had went to one of those conferences in D.C. It was a Grammy chapter. And yeah. when I went there, I found that they had announced that they have now opened up a spoken word category. Exactly. So, yeah, that was done a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they, um, yeah, there's a spoken word category um, open. And before we hit that, I want to bring on another caller on the line that wants to speak with Sharon. Caller from the 267. Mm-hmm. Hello? Yes, Sahara, go ahead. Hi, how are you ladies? Hi, Sharon. How are you? Hi, Sahara. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just happy to hear you on the radio and just getting all that wonderful stuff out there about who you are. Uh, and kudos to you for everything that you've done. And I just hope that you continue on a wonderful journey. Thank you so, so much. And thank you for bringing me on as the first playwright of First World Fair Ensemble. Kudos to you. Well, I, yeah, I'm kind of I'm excited about that, but I was just calling to say I'm so excited just to hear you on the radio <laughs> to hear you give all this wonderful advice to other people. But, yes, I'm very happy that you are part of my family at First World Theater. Um, now that you're getting out of, you know, you're moving into playwriting, uh, and I think you're going to be just as successful as you are in playwriting as you are in your poetry and songwriting. So uh, I'm truly looking forward to... Uh, producing some wonderful stuff. We already working on some hot stuff and ooh, the world is yours. Thank you so much. Z let us know what's coming up next with Sharon and First World. Um yeah, Sharon we well we have our upcoming auditions this weekend on January nineteenth, uh from ten AM to one PM at C E C thirty five hundred Lancaster Avenue. Um so uh we are auditioning for two of her plays, which is Living Your Life. Uh, that will go on a mini tour. And her other piece, her new piece is called Get Out of Your Own Way, uh, which we will be reading in March. I believe it is the 11th. March 11th uh, at CEC. So we're auditioning people for the, both of those plays, um, and they are just wonderful pieces. Um, and we can't wait to get them on our stage. Um, yeah. So if you're out there, you have a headshot in this May. Come on over to CEC and audition for Sharon's two plays. Um, get out of your own way and living your life from 10 to 1 at CEC. Great. And you can also visit awesome. www.firstworldtheater.biz for more information. Yes. You go, girl. Love you. Thank you. Love you, too. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. All righty. That was Zahara McGill. She is the founder and executive artistic director at First World Theater Ensemble. She's also a producer, a director, a um, Barrymore-nominated actor. Um, she's just um, all around. So um, she runs First World, and she's the reason why we get so many accolades there. And she's really she also works as a dramaturg, and she's really um, helping develop Sharon and her playwriting. 
So awesome. can't wait. That is such a blessing. Yeah. So that's girl power for y'all. So okay, <laughs> women about to take <laughs> over the world. Plenty of girl power tonight. <laughs> yes. Yes. So if you want to call in, we got a few more seconds. You can call in at six four six seven one six seven nine nine four. We will, while we may stop streaming live, we still will be on the air. So if you want to listen in, call in now. You can still listen in, and um, we're going to keep on going. So um, Sharana did. Um, I know we had went a couple different ways, but. <laughs> Oh, you know what I did want you to share something you spoke with us about in a meeting before about the difference, you know, when um when people do contract you as far as writing songs, um as far as just writing a song over writing a hit and um your experience with that, you know, to just you know, um, I just want to share that you you know you're not just a songwriter, but you're a songwriter that has had some level of success. So just okay. you know, go ahead. That actually comes from that statement. You not you have to be a, a writer who writes hits and not just songs. Come from the legendary Tina Marie. I actually learned and sat at the feet of her the last three years. Of her life, she actually, I actually met her through Butterball, Joe Tamboro. He was a radio personality here in Philadelphia on WDAS-FM. And when I met him, I automatically told him, like, oh, my God, I love Tina Marie. Oh, my God, I love Tina Marie. And he made a he made a meeting, and lo and behold, Tina Marie became my writing inspiration as well as mentor and big sister. So a lot of my writing comes from, as far as these songs, comes from the guidance of Tina. And one thing that Tina always shared with me when it came to writing and differentiating my poetry to lyrics was poetry or spoken word is an area where you can just release your feelings. You just release your emotions. You get it all out. As Zahara says, you flush it. Just tell the world how you feel. Don't, don't, you don't have a care world about anything. But when it comes to songwriting, songwriting, those feelings have to go more into a structured story in order for you to make a hit, a relatable story, not just your story, but your, your personal story has to now be related to the world story. So that was like one thing that she always used to to tell me as far as you can flush your feelings out in poetry, but you have to flush those feelings into a story in order to sell that song and then connect yourself with the artist that will be able to sell and act out what it is that you're saying on that piece of paper. And from mm-hmm. that, I work with, Neo, I've worked with um, Jennifer Hudson, I've I've met and got to spoken to Carrie Hilson, Keisha Cole, uh, Eve, DMX, well DMX I'm related, that's my cousin, but I've actually got the opportunity to work with a lot of people just by knowing the difference of writing poetry or lyrics to actually transforming those those poems into an the story that the world can relate. No longer Sharon can relate. 
So that's like one advice I did share with Jackie um, and Zahara, knowing the difference because the markets are different. Okay. And business-wise, again, that, um, I think that falls into the advice that you gave, knowing your industry. Right. And knowing your industry, then you, um, you know, uh, there are different goals. You, um, you know, there's different goals when um, you're a spoken word artist and you're just writing and you're just spitting and you're just delivering. It's for everyone else to catch up to you. It's more all about you. Um, and songwriting, as you stated, could still be the same way, but if you want that hit, you, can, you need to make sure it tells a story and it's relatable. And then when you go into playwriting, it also has its own arcs and curves. You know, you have to have a conflict. You have to make sure you put it enough action. And then the other key thing is, too, um, unless it's a one-person show, there's, again, it's interaction. It's not just about you. Exactly. Yeah, so you um, characters are interacting with one another. People on stage are interacting. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, this becomes a different thought process. And then, you know, you always want to know, how do I best connect with my audience in whatever, you know, genre? How, how do people, you know, how does the audience take, how does the audience act? And, you know, how do we best connect? So you always yeah. do want to... Um, you know, study those things, and that will really, um, you know, help you be more focused and cut down your time of your discovery time. <laughs> and that's well, I want to interject. I would like to interject there that if I think that if more spoken word artists would use that approach based on the advice that Sister Tina Marie gave, um, you you should. Sometimes we get so egotistical as spoken word artists, especially as slam poets, that we have to, we should keep in mind that it should be relatable and your story should be relatable. And that will not only um, get the audience engaged at that time, but I think it will make them lifelong fans, you know, to hear more stories from you. So I think that is an approach that can be implemented even in the spoken word genre, even in the slam poetry world. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely, you know, and, um, now, sometimes, and I still think it's all the way around, but sometimes what I, I do like about poetry, sometimes poetry, it'll break ground and bring up things people may not always want to talk about or necessarily say they want to talk about or say they into, but it'll break ground by bringing it up. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, you know, poetry, like she, that's that safe place. You can just lay it all out. And, you know, you can always come back later. Now, I'm talking about a teacher, Sonia Sanchez, and I know um, Sharon was just telling me right before we came on here. (laughs) Taking Sonia Sanchez's class, she said, just write, just write, just get it all, just write. Don't try to edit when you write. Don't try to form. Don't try to shape. Just write. And then you go back and edit because when you're trying to control the process, sometimes you you, you lose the story or, or, or that key part. Because then you can always go back and edit it for whatever the purpose is, if it's a song, if it's a book, if it's, uh, you know, sometimes you just write and say, okay, I haven't gotten onto too many different things. Let me, you know, you know, cut down. You could always go back and edit, but to get that raw um, emotion and that feeling, because people relate by emotions, and that's the one thing you always do need to know. 
people relate by emotions, people buy emotionally, people it's emotions is how people are connecting. So that right. you want to get that raw emotion out, yeah. And yeah. Oh, can... well, I was talking more from, from a performance standpoint, but you're absolutely right. Um, from a writing standpoint, uh, one of the first things you learn in all writing classes, it doesn't matter if you're taking literature or if you're taking technical writing, is to let it out, to brainstorm it, let it out, and then go from there. So, um, and then edit later. So I think that's excellent advice, Jack. Yes, and you are excellently right as far as the performance. Thank, I wanted to say that, but I'm afraid I get in trouble. So I'm glad you said that because you're a poet. I wanted to. Well, we're here to keep it real. We want we want our spoken word artists and those who are listening to be as successful as possible. We just hope that they take something away from you know the show and that we give them some advice and tools that they can actually use and work with. And you know, if we can't keep it real here, then where can we keep it real at? Yeah, because exactly. I've actually seen poets. I've heard them on stage say that, on stage, behind stage, after stage, but I heard poets say that the audience got it wrong. And understand all art, uh, whether it's visual art, written art, spoken art, dance art, you know, all art is communication. And your art, if it's, that's just like if a um, bear hollers in the wood who hurt, if, you know, if there's nobody there to hear it, it really means nothing. So, it, you know, your art comes alive the moment it communicates with someone or something. And then the creatures we are, you know, experiences shape our lives and our perceptions. So mm-hmm. once it communicates with someone else with a different set of life experiences than you, it may interpret differently. You can't tell someone they're wrong. You, well, you, know, the, you know, you put it out there. They received it, you you know. So don't ever feel your audience is wrong because they didn't behave the way you think you they should have behaved. Right. Yeah. And you know we're all limited. And um, so I, I just share that because I've also actually saw, I've seen artists walk off the stage. Ooh. Be, yeah, because I mean it was a couple things. One, it was height of the summer, and it was they were blinded and they did not see that. Because the people pulled away from the stage because the sun got so high, everybody went to the side. This artist and the host, before they brought them on, was acting silly, but it's their job to keep the crowd up. It's an all-day event. The radio host acting a little silly. It perturbed him. He got in spit, but he didn't realize that the highway was behind us. Cars were slowing down and stopping. Everybody was so into him. They just moved out the center of the sun into the shade, but he couldn't see it because he was blinded, and he felt he lost the crowd because it was a big gospel group on before him, whatever. But, you know, because people didn't behave, but he couldn't actually see what was going on. And they actually asked for an encore. He didn't hear them and walked off. Mm. So, uh, what, um, what, again, ego. What we have to learn as artists is that, you know, you perform your best no matter what, period, mm-hmm. point blank. I don't care if it's yeah. one person in, out here. Whoever is coming to see you deserves a good performance. Um, and that even if you don't get the response from the audience that you believe that you should have, that's okay. Just perform your best and go back that later and then say, what can I do different? You know, you have to be introspective in this business as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Got to get thicker skin to people. So, But um, there's a whole lot of things we can go into about characteristics. But the main thing, um, since we do have Sharon 
on is that we want to make sure that, um, you know, I think she shared some good information about publishing, and I'm so glad that you talked about your playwright work because that sounds like an awesome creative opportunity as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we talked about the things, some things about the business and all that. I heard earlier I wanted to mention that you had two heart attacks. That has to have inspired you as well. So what other things continue to motivate you and inspire you to continue to move forward and to grow in your craft? Right now, just living life, basically, this is my second chance. So mm-hmm. me giving this second chance, I'm not leaving any leaf unturned, as my grandmom say. So everything that I was denied or fought for the first time around, I'm doing now. So that's my biggest inspiration because technically I, I shouldn't be sitting right here talking to you guys. My life should have ended almost five years ago. And that was wow. my, my my second heart attack. I was only given six months to live. Wow. So that's, that's really actually has been my, my sole for focusing point on continuing to grow and jump industries until somebody hears me. And then outside of that, I, I have my children. Because for me, as far as my writing, this also guarantees them a future and then motivating them to say, okay, you know what, I don't have to look at the TV for a role model because my mommy's doing it. Or my oldest son, Christopher, he sits in the meetings and now he's starting to be introduced to theater, to the studio. So he, this is not somewhat new or he don't have to learn it from the street. I'm, I'm giving him different avenues of what it is that he may want to do when he turns 18, even though he's going to college first. But if we want to do a hobby, then this this is some things that we can do together. So, But my biggest motivation is my, my second giving of life. And I'm going to keep writing because I'm not the only one who suffers with heart attacks or surviving domestic violence or going through being a single mother and still going through being a single mother or trying to heal myself to love better. We all face those same issues. My story is everybody else's story. So instead of me holding this in thinking that I'm the only one and making myself sick, I'm going to use my experience and my survival to help others to prevent them from going through what I've already gone through. That's awesome. I I can't think of a better way to close out the show. Um, Everybody, this is Sweet Franchine. You just spoken to Ms. Sharon Monet, who tells us what inspires her and keeps her motivated as a poet, an author, a songwriter, and a playwright. We are so thankful to have her on the show today. Jacqueline? Okay. Um, yes, we, you, you've just been very inspiring, um, a lot of topics and different things. I think we definitely going to, we may even bring you back um, more um, later because I think we want to talk, flush out the publishing a little more. Okay. But um, you um, definitely gave us a, you know, great overview and um, I think it's, you know, about the many different ways poetry can be used. And again, um, I think the first people we need to change their mind about how to view the industry of spoken word is 
the spoken word artist. You know, we exactly. need the artist to know more as possible. Exactly. And so, do you want to roll? You want to, um, you know, spit something there, and we can roll out on that, Sharon. Sure, sure. Before I spit, let me just give a quick hi to my boys, Christopher and Craig. I know y'all better be asleep, but mommy loves you anyway. And also to my my man, Philadelphia. He's a up and coming artist, spoken word artist, songwriter, everything. Just a writer like myself. So, hi everyone. <laughs> and now to speak my piece that I actually submitted to actually speak at the inaugural for President uh, Barack Obama. So I'm going to say it here since his inaugural is this Sunday and Monday. And this piece is entitled Moving Forward. All right. In 2008, a victory was won, a momentous occasion to signify the free to our dreams, the vic in our story, and the march in our fight. For over 400 years, success and hope for the class that could never get ahead left for society full of blood, sweat, and tears. Heartbreak, poverty, denying the unalienable rights given to man because his money was kind of funny and his health wasn't the greatest. But instead of giving a little hope, our government gave a little note, holding back the percentage that was needed to balance out the scale that kept the nation stable until we were greeted with the phrase, yes, we can. Yes, we can is what he said when standing tall addressing the injustice. Yes, we can is what he said when smiling at the child who was hungry and sick. Yes, we can is what he said when shaking the hand of the veteran's mother when her child came home from war. Yes, we can save the nation from destruction that was caused, having no one to blame or no one to take the fall. Because the ideologies was written and the damage was done. But this gentleman and his first lady moved in grace one in every race, from health care reform to the American Recovery Act, from ending the war in Iraq to eliminating Catch-22 and equal pay, from Wall Street to Main Street, this man didn't miss a beat when it came to the country we all love. From the Federalist to bureaucracy, freedom reign, and his yes we can is now moving us forward to the promised land that Martin Luther King wanted to see, Nat Turner died for, Harriet Tubman walked for, and Malcolm X spoke for. Freedom is ringing from the mountains to the valleys, from equal rights to voting rights. Our right to fight has been won, and our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness has been declared. And this man is not only speaking his wishes, he is achieving them giving people possibilities and opportunities to achieve the impossible and receive the American dream with the abilities given to them. That's why in 2012, we the people spoke loud and clear, because the chance feels good and the rewards are fun. Moving forward is progression, and progression is key, and this society needs no more misery. So it's time to rise up and become the nation that our forefathers proclaimed, constituted, and declared. And now, since we have four more years of greatness, fairness, and truth, there is no way we can lose. So, President Barack Obama, we thank you, we walk with you, and we believe in you. Yes, we can move forward in the light of freedom, equality, and righteousness, because we have four more years with you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.